Hey, everybody. Thank you, John, for the intro there. We can't hear it, but uh, we know it's a good uh, bass beat. Uh, appreciate the uh, intro, uh, John Bertan. Uh, today we have uh, John Bertan, Rob Spinoza for our 10 listeners. And we were talking <laughs> about the uh, 112th Dipsy that took place June 11th on a Sunday, the second Sunday of every June. Uh, 2023 that was uh today's thursday the 15th so that was about five days ago um starts at 8 a.m sunday it's uh probably the longest or longest running cross-country course yeah i guess you could call it that right trail uh, race. trail race um i know yeah some races are longer but for cross-country i think it's the oldest it's over over 100 years which is interesting it's a west coast like west coast has that it's It's also interesting that that the i think the only years it wasn't run was world war ii and and then COVID. COVID. yeah so we we've actually lived through missing a year uh which is pretty rare because it's had a pretty pretty straightforward run since it started wait it didn't it made it through world war one i think so i think six and seven oh eight or nine yeah because the u.s only fought in world war one really for a year uh, yeah, 1917. Yeah. We said I don't know how many East people lived in World War One. I. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's it's totally. There so were probably more bears in 41. Marin County than people at that time. Okay, so yeah, so 42, 43, 44, 45. Those are the years. Did not happen. Wow. So yeah, so multiple had, years. Had a great so it was, you say 44, 45, and 2021 or 20, 2020. 2020. I'm in 2021. So I, I guess it's a dark question. Like, say, you know, things spiraled. I guess it just depends on the, the context of the uh, the conflict. If there were a world war today, um, not that I think one's going to happen, but historically, you know, roughly every 100 years or so approximately, would we still run the Dipsy? We now have, like, a yeah. precedent for stopping it. I mean, it just, I guess it depends, like, and I don't, I don't think anybody's around to ask who was running it in 1941 oh, or 19, or somebody around that was running it. So Darryl, a couple, a couple Darryl other probably details. Won it that year. Daryl Bernard. Daryl Beardall. 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 No, I saw him at the TCRS. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he's, he's had a really long history running that race, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So. The race takes place in Mill Valley, California. That's just north of San Francisco, just over the bridge. Um, it's an amazing area. It's really rugged. It's um, it's it's deceiving. Um, you know, the San Francisco hills are a lot, but like when you get into Marin, there's a lot of really steep hills, and the Dipsy is the it gets its name because it goes it dips down into Muir Woods and it goes up and over uh, its pantal. Is that what we call the yeah. big hill? Yeah. And then drops down to Stinson Beach. So it starts in Mill Valley. It's a point to point. It's uh, I was talking to my neighbor, uh, Tim Wallen, who has quite the history doing the Dipsy. Hey, Tim, if you listen. And I, I, won't, uh, I won't use his name too much because he 
So some of the things are a little contentious uh, with the handicaps, and it's this. I have this really good memory uh, for many weeks in like April and May, going back like 12 years. So Roy Rivers, who won the Dipsy, uh, there was this Saturday mor- morning run, and the conversation that every run it would be like a 90-minute run at Saturday morning run. I, I don't know if they still do it. Maybe maybe some people show up, but it would always be about the handicaps. It would always be about who's, you know, who's training and like all the. Well, I brought some. I brought some receipts. I they're not scientific and they're not, you know, they're probably not indicative of anything because I didn't sample all the data, and I don't have the time or the inclination to do the analysis. Nor would anybody count on me as an analyst. Um, <laughs> but but I but I did look at I I, I looked at. 2023, 2018, and 2013. So five-year increments going back at you know 10 years, um, and I just I just took those three races. But but I'll share some of that whenever you want to get into it. I because I, you and I had talked offline a little bit about you know the 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 way the race stacks up women and men and, and things like that. And I think there's a lot more. Uh, yeah. So so let's summarize it. So for people who've never done the Dipsy, yeah, it's a it's idea. a very unique race. Because, and I don't know when the handicap started, because I, it hasn't been for the whole race. I, 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 that would I be an interesting it. thing. Yeah. And there is a book on the Dipsy too. Maybe that's in that book. But um, no, it's it says the head start. Uh, <laughs> those are going back to 1905. Really? So yeah. okay, so the head start is sort of this. It's not arbitrary, but it's not necessarily scientific. Um, I think it's based on prior run races for the it Dipsy. Is. It's not yeah. based on runners as a whole. So it's a so running. It's, it's, it's a, it's a yeah. it's, no pun intended. It's a running total. Yes. It, as as years go by, they handicap it accordingly. So so they do have enough runners and enough history to probably do a pretty good curve on some of the. Uh, head starts, which are the handicaps. So, for example, uh, as a 45-year-old man, I would get four minutes. And then, well, as like, a... expl- explain that in the context, because if you're a listener and you're not familiar with the oh, race, sure. What what you need to know is that the first wave goes off at 8 a.m. and the next wave goes off at 8:01. Oh wait, wait. First, we got to do invitational. So first, okay. we have okay, okay. <laughs> So first you have to get in. It's very difficult to get in. Um, and, and so if you're going to run the race for the, your first time and you're not a seasoned veteran like Rob and John here, you it's it's essentially luck of the draw, first come, first serve. Yeah. And when, when I did the Dipsy like 10, 11 years ago, I don't remember, I sent in by mail. Which is seems it's still by mail, right? I, I, still by mail. I uh, know. Well, yes and no. But but for for the runner section, the mm-hmm. tradition was you tried to walk your your in, your uh, application into the Mill Valley uh, post office and have them put <laughs> it in the, in the bin, and that was the sh- and you did it that day, and that was your best shot at getting in. But to your point now, I don't know for the runner section because there's two sections. Andy was yeah, getting the, in, the open yeah. runners and invitational, right? And and uh, I don't know how many invitational and how many open. Is it is it half and half or? 
They say on the site. Yeah, so dipsy yeah, org. Seven, yeah. Seven fifty. Seven fifty invitational. So so fifteen hundred total. Seven fifty are people that have qualified in prior races and they're invited back in the invitational. And then I call it the open sort of uh and and then within the open it all depends on your gender and your age so if there's only uh, yeah like 50 well, runners is the same for 40 capping is the same handicapping okay. for both the sections yeah so let's let's you, pull you up have, the head start you're allowed here. 1500 people approximately on the course right because it's a narrow trail and as rules have evolved and multiplied over the years um from 1905 to now you you have to figure out how to get everybody safely while still allowing for competition between downtown mill valley and stinson beach yeah. so the invitational what is called the invitational section is roughly 750 people they go first and then the runner section roughly 750 people and the head starts are going to be the same in each group, but the group that gets to go off first is the first group, A, group A of the of the invitational section, going so, all so, the way then every minute to group Z of the invitational section. So every minute is a letter. And okay. then there is the scratch runners. And <laughs> so then 8 a.m. Yeah, 8 a.m. they say, right now I'm looking at a chart on dipsy.org. 8 a.m., the six-year-old Boys and seventy boys and seventy-four and older men, and the six to seven-year-old girls, and the sixty-six and over women, start at the same time at eight a.m. And then each minute yes. after that, they're doing another wave. So then the next wave, which is called the double A group, I don't know how they came up with yeah. these. Yeah, so because <laughs> you had to put one ahead of the alphabet, you know, because they wanted to add more sections. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have 73, uh, just 73. That's interesting. Yeah. It's it's not a, and then just 65. That's it. So these it's tell not 65 you these numbers. under 65. Yeah. No, this tells you something about who is running right. the race. Right. Because these, mm -hmm. like, a, age grading for running is done based on international statistics. So you're looking at how fast is somebody in a particular age range right. running relative to that group around the world so right. i don't have numbers off the top of my right in front of me right now but just for example if you run a 630 mile but you're 70 years old right you are going to have a very high age graded rank there out of scale to 100 percent that would be well up in the 90s right but if you run a 630 mile as a 20 year old man that's not going to be very high age graded because that will not rank very highly relative to all men in the world at age of 20 who are running a mile mm -hmm. the tipsy handicaps are really for not quite just marin but people who choose to run the race <laughs> Right. And so let me expand on that just a second. So for people who aren't familiar with the race, so let's say you, you held a race like any other race out there right now. The first person across the finish line, gun goes off, first person across the finish line wins the race. Okay. Fastest time, doesn't matter who does it, that's the winner. If you're age grading a race, 
what you're essentially saying, if you only looked at the age grade, then a 75-year-old runner who finished an hour behind a much faster, younger runner would win by the age grade. That could happen. What the Dipsy strives to do is to say, we're going to put those runners in the earlier waves so that they cross the finish line first because the Dipsy counts its rank just like you would in any other race. Whoever crosses the finish line first wins, but where they start differs. And that's what's cool about the race once you get the hang. A lot of people hate that. They're like, oh, that's not fair. You're like, yeah, well, young men win every other race all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, not where you start, when you start. It's when you start. And when so you, start, yeah. you could have a you could have a 10-year-old girl or you could have a Hans Schmidt win at 73 or a Russ Kiernan. You could have mm-hmm. these people winning it well into their 60s and even 70s. Um, and that's what makes the race so darn exciting. Um, so yeah, that's the idea behind the handicaps and the head starts. I was trying to explain this to people I was having dinner with Saturday night before the the <laughs> race, and um, one of them was or is a runner, uh, somebody I coach with, and everybody else at the table um, either not a runner, um, and possibly also not originally from Marin. So trying to explain, yeah. The Dipsy Race to somebody who is a not a runner and b not from Marin. There is, it, it's almost hopeless. The people who were from Marin and grew up in Marin, they understood there is something different about the Dipsy than other races. And if you live in Marin County and are in the running community, it's a big deal. I mean, heck, Patty winning made the front page of the Marin IJ. So yeah, that's that cool. was that that was really cool to see. And I was like, I, I love seeing when like you know. A, local news um, makes the front page of the, the local paper, but B, it's it's not like, it's not sad news or stressful news. It's just kind of like happy, cool news. Um, yeah. And so the, the thing about explaining the competition and the stress of running the race is in so many other races, um, especially in trail races, in the end, you you are racing the course itself and maybe the conditions of the day and everybody's starting the same time and running the same course. So in the end, it really becomes just about you and the course. And that's most trail races. The Dipsy, it's about the course because it's a unique course, but built into the structure of it is just so much that draws out any inherent competitive nature in anybody running it. So I would say most people who run the Dipsy that you know are local and part of the running community, I would say running kind of tempers people and makes people pretty mellow and easygoing. You're just trying to figure out, as, as long as you get your run each day, um, and you're just trying to figure, it just becomes part of your daily and life routine. I just got to get my runs each week, then I'm happy. And everybody, most people I know who, run the dipsy they're super mellow all year long <laughs> except for dipsy day know, except for dipsy sunday then everybody is out for blood and everybody is uh everybody to that person is another competitor and that is something that is unique about where this race draws out of people and it's because it's built into it it's not just i'm running the race to run the race and complete it no 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 you are running to get back into the race you're running because you're you're seeing everybody else go off in front of you and 
there's something about that competitive nature that just makes everybody on the trail and during the race, everybody's redlining the whole time. Nobody's taking this race easy. Even yeah. if they say, yeah, I just want to get back in. You're, you're thinking, I got to get back in. Um, there is this, this intensity that is pulled out of people, and I haven't seen any other race like that. It's, um, it's really intense. Like, and it's, it, it favors, I mean, lightweight people, right? Cause you're doing a lot of serious Hills. It favors people who do a lot of stairs, who can climb really well and descend really well. Like I, I do better on flat, you know, road, like, or trails like up and down, but I haven't, I haven't done the dipsy hard in a long time. So it's, uh. Yeah, it's it's. I could see it. Like a lot of people are um, super stressed out <laughs> leading up to it. There used to be a there used to be a guy who would uh, hang out near the bridge at the bottom of Steep Ravine. Uh, kind of, he'd be like halfway up insult. Sometimes he was at the top insult. Sometimes he was at the bottom of it, and he would call out your number, like your place. Oh yeah, and that, I rem- that was he wasn't there this year. He wasn't there this year. Um, he wasn't there last last few times. I haven't I haven't heard him there. Or he stopped counting by the time I came through. One of the two. I don't know. But uh, that was always really interesting because as I started to move up in rank and some of the better years I've had, man, when he, when he called out like you're you know 67 or something like that, and you knew you still had a mile and a half, two miles or whatever it is to go. Then talk about what Jonathan was just saying. Jesus, you're like man. Everybody in front of me is a target, right? Because now. You're like, these people are starting to falter and slow down. Back when the shortcuts used to be open at the bottom half of the course, some of those people would get into those um, into those stretches and they'd be like real tentative. And you're oh, like, I hey, dropped I... like 40 places in that yeah, last so, like mile and a half. Right. Because because if you knew race was on that... the line down there and, and you had kind of planned for that and you got you just got the lift that you were already in a good place on the course. Man alive, that was like the last bit of adrenaline you needed to push through to stints. And so, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, I, I think I think you're right. I think that everybody kind of shows up. Every serious Dipsy runner feels race day jitters downtown Mill Valley that morning. Like they'll, they'll tell you how they felt before the race started and, you know, who they were kind of warming up with and, and the vibe and whatever um, and how that kind of translated to the day. Because it is really an impressionable race once you're part of it. And the buzz downtown is really kind of cool. So, um, yeah, it's fun. We should translate and describe the names because you mentioned insult and the shortcuts and stints. Yeah. And like those are yeah. all those just having a a guide to the course and the terminology. Because when you're explaining to people, yeah, I'm training for, you know, to make sure I can keep going up dynamite and be strong through hog You're like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, it doesn't make Yeah. So, so yeah, you how, start- about, how about I'll. I'll do, I'll do the first uh, couple, then I'll pass it on to Name John. John can pass on to Rob. <laughs> so, what's what I the, the start is not the start or the turnaround for the double or for the quad because there's a double dipsy and a quad dipsy. Right. The start is very unique for the single dipsy. It starts right across the street from the Equator Coffee in downtown Mill Valley. There's the Throckmorton. Yep. Yeah, the square. There's old like a clock. Railroad there. depot. Railroad. Yeah, got the old the old clock yeah. there, right right on the corner. Uh, is is the clock there? Is that, that the, was yeah. the bottom. Yeah, there's of a clock the, there. Uh, and right in yeah. the middle of the road, there's a little island and there's a plaque on it, and that's the official start. You you can go find okay. it. 
And and on the so on a normal day, you know, it's like nobody can tell. But on race day, they have all this orange. Do they still have all the orange yeah. Yeah, fencing, fencing to try yeah. to because you have so many corrals. You have I want to say over 50 corrals because you have all the invitational. You have the 25 invitational uh, waves every minute, and then you have the 25 uh, op, um, what, what do we call those? Runners. Just open or let, runners. Let, yeah. let yeah. me just let me just interject for anybody that's listening to this that's in the runner section. If you're lucky enough to get in the race before the race starts, like between eight o'clock and eight twenty or whatever that is. Get out of the porta potty line. You don't belong <laughs> in the porta potty line. The people that are in the porta potty line need to go before they start, and and you still have a half hour to go. Get out of the porta potty line. Okay. <laughs> so you start, and it's pretty flat. It's very almost completely flat, all the way to Mill uh, Park. Mill Park old is Mill Park. old Mill Park. Old, old Mill Park, and you take a, yeah. uh, you run through Old Mill Park through the so playground. On, through, the, through playground. the playground on a on a on a normal day, you wouldn't go tearing through the middle of a park. You would probably run around on the asphalt road. Right. But on Dipsy Day, every every tangent matters. So on the week before, when I saw people <laughs> going out there in the afternoon, I saw people tearing through the park, and they were like, "Look at birthdays going on." <laughs> and people were just like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's just some last minute cramming apparently. <laughs> and then this is this is where people blow up right away, is that there's three things uh, three flights of stairs. The first flight I think goes really fast. Second flight, more difficult, and by the third, your heart rate's really high and you could you can blow up um right away so your your heart rate can be above max right away with and this is all within like say half a mile into the race yeah so the fastest runners will be at the top of that by six minutes the, the top mm-hmm. of the stairs by about six minutes you know uh i would say an average runner someone in the runner section that is a good runner but doesn't necessarily train they're probably at the top of that by 10 or 12 minutes so it's, you know who, it's happening I saw, right away um josh Bornstein, Steen. Oh, I know uh, who you're talking about. The guy with the tattoos. He was doing ten repeats on those fli- all three flights of stairs, like just yeah. a couple weeks before. Uh, and I, I did the Dipsy. When did I do it? Um, oh shoot, it's searching. I'm trying to. I just did that. I did that hard. It was a training run um, a couple weeks ago. Of course. Oh my god. Uh, I still have the CR. From depot to top of the stairs. Really? I Amazing. that's a quirk of Strava. I I am looking at the leaderboard, and I'm literally like in front of Eddie Owens. Wow! wow. Good for you. <laughs> oh my god! That's awesome. I have no idea how I have that. Um, so this was a couple of weeks ago. I'm trying to find it. Eh, it doesn't matter. Okay, so we go up top of the stairs, and then. It's a little flat. There's a road that parallels kind of this trail. A lot of exposed roots on this trail. And then uh, you dogleg left. You run through this kind of, uh, there's some nice homes there. There's like maybe, I want to say like six nice homes. Used and to then be known you get... as the Flying Y Ranch. It was a, uh, just okay. a field up there. And yeah, 
before they developed it into a few homes. You're right. This is also where on a hot uh, June or July day, there'll be some enterprising children selling lemonade. And I was out there running once and they, they wanted $5 for a glass of lemonade. Yeah, Mill Valley. So, I mean, <laughs> and, and like they're probably the children of some CEOs or something because these houses are amazing. Um, yeah. So that's about mile one. Uh, and then right. another quarter mile, you're up to the top of, uh, they call it windy, windy gap. Windy ga- windy gap. Yeah. I don't, I don't really call it windy. It's just the top of the first uh, hill. And then, you have some stairs, and this is where knowing the course starts to really help, I think. You can go left on these stairs, and it's pretty obvious, but if you're familiar with going left, you can really move. So there's a trail to the left, and then there's the stairs. And sometimes the trail's a little overgrown, and so you just have to really know what to expect. Uh, and then the there's some uh, switchbacks coming off of uh, Windy Gap. Uh, coming down and so now we're descending down into where Muir Woods is at the bottom Uh, you can cut those switchbacks if you know where to cut them again knowing the course is really important because you can save probably 10-15 seconds on cutting those switchbacks Uh, all the way there's a there's a shortcut called suicide uh, which I almost never use I have done it but there's kind of a, a horseshoe trail, or you can cut right through down to suicide, down, through suicide to the uh, Muir Woods. And I'll now I'll now we're at the we cross a road near Muir Woods. There's a drinking fountain, and then there's a creek. And I'll pass it to either John or Rob or one of you guys want to go. Well, John, take it because dynamite is my least favorite section of the course. Maybe right behind the stairs or right there, there with me. I, I, I hate dynamite. Yeah, it's so awful. It is awful. I'll let you take it, Jonathan. You probably <laughs> run it better than I do by a long stretch. So, I like dynamite often because it's it's this single track that is super steep. Usually, if it, if it's foggy or drizzly because it's heavy fog, it can be a little slick. And you from where I'm usually starting the race, whether it was scratch or Z or now group Y, it's just, you are in the thick of just passing people because you have a lot of people that are maybe power hiking or jogging. I mean, trying to run up that. And so at that point, I've just flown downhill um, from the top of windy gap, gone through the shortcuts, all of that. There's some road running and heart rate's still very high. And then all yeah. of a sudden it's Turn like it you up. bottom out of the creek and you got to go right back up. And you know that this is the start of a roughly two mile grind that's going to bring you almost 1400 feet up. And so, yeah, you're going to be getting roughly 700 feet per mile um, on your trek up to the top of cardiac. So we're, we're inexperienced Dipsy runners really this is why they really get punished in dynamite is because you're dealing with the thing that, that is unique to the dipsy is that you probably went out too hard in the excitement of going up the steps. And then you probably loaded your quads getting up to windy gap. And then you blasted them on the way down <laughs> to the Creek. And now is the first time where you've got to answer for that by going back uphill on a steep ascent. So it's dynamite fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's where the race starts. It's where the race like, starts. It's, for it's sure. abrupt too. You, you cannot. You're, you're, 
you're flying down yep. and now you got to go up directly like, up and, and very steep up there's no gradual so your heart rate comes down on the down and then you got to go straight up and it's probably and, a half mile start to finish like dynamite from the creek to the sign right jonathan would you say that's uh, about a half mile yeah at least let me go look at the um you could you could here. so it's not very far by distance but like he said it's it's it's, it's, it's a straight significant up gain and yeah. so with the as you go up it like it's a steeper part of the climb to cardiac so the climb up to the top of cardiac hill the two mile climb from the muir woods creek at that parking lot all the way to the top of cardiac hill um the steepest parts are the first part and the last part. The last part. Yeah. So dynamite's pretty steep. So if you're just thinking, okay, I'm going to start to gain a bunch of places here without really thinking about what's next, that's going to destroy you, and you'll be hiking up by the time you get to the top of cardiac. Okay. On the flip side, if you know what you're in for and you know how to pace yourself, you can be very smart there. And I think, in retrospect, looking at over a decade of racing this, it's um. I think I pass a lot of people on dynamite because I, I, I'm a hill climber um, and I usually have some pretty aggressively sold shoes that give me some good grip here. So I'm going up dynamite just knowing that, okay, yeah. I just got to keep moving here because then once I get to the top of that section, trail's going to level off a little bit, still going to be uphill, but it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a grind. And but you can just pushing yourself so you're not redlining, but just under it, trying to keep the effort, not the pace you're going, but the effort consistent. That's a really hard thing to do on that section. But if you can dial that in, you can get past a lot of people. Yeah, you're still you're still way early in the day. So I yeah. think that's the other piece of it. You're about uh, time wise, you're about a third of the way through. So you still have a good amount of climbing, even though it gets yeah. more gradual for most of it, like you said. Um, but it's you're still in the danger zone where if you play it wrong, um, you're setting yourself up for a really rough second half of the race. So that's what I've always noticed about Dynamite. You can't let up because if you let up, you're going to let way too many people go by. We'll talk about that when we go but back. Also, into cadence is really important. And so if you have a good control on your cadence... Uh, I remember Roy Rivers when he was going up. So, so if you can keep your cadence the same or, or almost the same going down as you are going up, right? Well, then you're taking much tinier steps. But like, it's just it's just a type of of running uphill that helps you regulate more. So oh. like, you're going you're going. Uh, you should not be do, doing 160 downhill steps per minute, and then Okay, now I'm going uphill really slow at like 130 or something. It's only so a like, quarter mile. Really? Dynamite, dynamite's wow. a quarter dynamite mile. Dynamite is a quarter mile. It's it, wow. it, you think yeah. it's longer because it's such a grind uphill. I guess that makes One sense. One of the times you realize how short dynamite actually is, is in the double dip scene in the quad, or if you do like a run from Mill Valley to Cardiac and back. When you're coming back and you hit dynamite, yeah, fly right down it. You yeah. you you fly right down that. Um, it's yeah. only a quarter mile. And that's looking at it. (laughs) Yeah, it's and then yeah, hitting that trail and it's I love looking at the Strava map because you can see staying on the single track 
all the way to the top of cardiac is the shortest possible yeah. version of going up that hill. Janet Furman told me that a while back and I and I always like I always look at that road and I'm like, man, that road looks no. like it's shorter. She's it right. does. Yeah. I, and it's it's nicer to run on the road, especially coming down than it is to like if you're doing a the double. first few years I ran the Dipsy, I was like, I, I just would roll the dice like, oh, OK, that looks like it'll be, you know, and I didn't have any idea what I was doing. And finally, somebody said, hey, look, if you if you want to run the race well in place, well, you got to stay on the. Well, if you're sport. in the, if you're in the runners group and you're young, yeah, you're going to you're not going to want to take the trail because you're yeah. blowing by. I think I passed 800 people when I ran the Dipsy. But your objective is totally different. And <laughs> if you're in the yeah. runner section and you and you and you're running that race, you're the best thing you can hope for is to win yourself an invitational spot. So whatever you need to do yep. to do it, that's what you want to do. And that may change by the by the place of where you start. So you're absolutely right, Andy, that, you know, your fire road might be a better way to do it. So, yeah, if you're if you're right, if you're you're looking to win it the shortest distance, but if you're looking to pass people to get up there, uh yeah, I remember it was that was that really turned me off from the race too, and I got an invitational, and I and I didn't <laughs> I didn't send in my uh, I didn't send in my form the next year, so uh, that was my own fault. I just forgot to do it. But uh, where are we? We're at uh, Hogsback Top on the on our grind up. Um, Rob, do you keep? Uh, I always look at halfway rock. Yeah, about, I do. All I right, do. I am halfway there. I'm not a cardiac yet, but I'm I'm half of the way in terms of the distance that the course offers. And uh, I think I think halfway is a really good good uh, good uh, break point for training as well, because if you're limited in time and what yeah. you can do in training, a really good time trial to halfway is giving you really a lot of valuable information about how the rest of the day your day is going to play out yeah you could go to cardiac too i suppose you know and most people that's what they do but you can still get a really good indication of where your fitness is by going to halfway that's what i've said is halfway a mile one of the mile markers because there's it's before mile three okay there's just this rock big rock flat kind of you could stand on it kind of off to the side of the trail and it's just I don't know. Yeah, I, I know that halfway rock. rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, um, so for people listening, there is a mile, a stone mile marker for each mile. But technically, they're not a mile equidistant from each other if you're taking all of the shortcuts. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and halfway rock is not halfway by distance. It's halfway by what your time might be. So it's it's okay. a nickname for that rock that runners have identified that hey if I'm at this rock at a half hour I should finish in an hour. However, with the change in the course, I've also noticed that's, that that's no longer that's accurate either. Um, getting so after in between Hogsback and Cardiac, the uh, the the rainforest that's yep. uh, right past. I, I left these terms. <laughs> um, that part is actually very runnable. And especially now, because there's been some trail work, yeah. with some big the the trail instead of being a bunch of roots that you can you know step on again instead of having the trail itself rooting for you, um, you have these big slabs of granite that have been laid down, and those yeah, are that's a really lot nice. easier to go. And there's up that tree. I like running along that tree that fell. The tree, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. That they put on the side because the and because the trail there is. 
I call it, it's so groomed, it's basically carpeted. Um, and then so from, once you pass those stone steps in the rainforest, it's super runnable until you get to that last little climb to the top right. of cardiac, which also starts out with some stone stairs now. So this those, year it was really muddy as well, really slippery and muddy. That's, that's what my 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 treaded shoes were super. Yeah, happy you you there. if you you could have fallen going uphill on that section this year, <laughs> slipped and fallen on that. It, section it seems up. very routed out cardiac. I remember, I I don't maybe I'm not remembering right, but it it seems like it's much more rocky. The part before the top now. before cardiac. Yeah, Just the last 200 you... feet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that has gotten a bit more treacherous, and I've actually noticed that Shoot more up. on yep. the downhills there. Yeah, that's crazy um, downhill. But yeah, go that that last climb up to the top of Cardiac. But before you get that runnable section yep. in the rainforest, before you cross the Deer Park Fire Road again, and I was just noticing it is so smooth and runnable, and I was like, okay, let's just take this while it's here. It's 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 nice. Um, yeah, and then that little push to the top of Cardiac, that's a that's another interesting place because you I find that it's like a zone where people all bunch up too. Because everybody it was like pushing, no, pushing everybody psychologically is thinking running out of steam. Done. Yeah, running out of steam before getting to yeah. the top of cardiac and just think it's all downhill. But then you're like, wait, no, 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 it's not just downhill. You have to keep going on that downhill. You just got to change gear and keep going at the same intensity. So, yeah, you want to take it from cardiac, Rob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, this, I mean, so now you're, you're, you're officially starting the descent, but don't be fooled because you're now on a single track and you actually have a, a number of stretches where you're running gradually uphill. So you got a taste of running downhill a little bit. You, you, like Jonathan said, if you're smart, you're going to get your legs turning over. But then there's some stretches, you know, sometimes 25, 50 yards where you're gradually climbing again until you're about, I would say, probably not even a half mile, but close to it after you after cardiac, then you start your descent in earnest. You'll pick up a trail that drops down. Um, there's a little bit of a promontory and then you drop to the right. And you'll know because it gets really rutted and really rooty and really muddy. But now you're starting your descent in earnest. And the first you're going to come to a point where you can go right and you can stay on the trail or you can go left and enter what they call the swoop. What's the, swoop, the name of the other trail? Uh, the what year um, did she win? The Florian Harp Trail. Is that right? Oh, no, Gail Scott. Wow. Gail Scott. Sorry. Gail yeah, Scott, Gail Scott who won in 1986. Look at how. Yeah. So, so the, so the, the trail is really kind of nice. Um, and it's, 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 you're in the, you're in a redwood forest. So the, the ground, the dirt's real soft. If it's not too slippery or muddy, it, it's really great running, but most competitive runners, I would venture to say they go down the swoop and the swoop kind of reminds you of suicide earlier in the course. You'll start down um, and it's very rutted. It, it, it probably is in during rainy season. It's a runnel. So you, you don't have good footing and often it's overgrown. Um, and it's also very easy to get stuck behind people in the swoop. Um, and then it opens up into a little bit of a sort of a, a clearing in the forest. The, the, the canopy is above you, but there's lots of room to maneuver. But then you're really quickly in a thicket with a single trail through it. 
and really dense branches on either side that you cannot pass in. Do you and feel that, in the last few years the swoop got darker? Yeah, it's gotten overgrown and darker um, for sure. And so I think like most seasoned dipsy runners will blow through there and not worry about their footing. But if you're if you're not a confident runner in that sort of terrain, you're going to be watching where your feet go because you cannot see where your feet are landing, um, given the, the change in the terrain and all that. Um, Not to mention so, all the poison oak that's around too. Yeah, lots of poison oak in there too. <laughs> so you so you get out of the swoop, um, and then you have this stretch where it's uh, kind of like meandering up and down and winding um, through a lot of like um, dense brush, and then eventually you drop down again. You meet up with the trail again, and you enter steep ravine. Oh, steep, yeah. So, sorry, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the course on the yeah. website. Sorry, Rob. And you did you guys run the asphalt road yeah. down? Yeah, you did. Oh. Woods, yeah. Uh, okay, that's that's a big difference between like the quad and the single yep. is you have well, you to run the trail. trail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's so, all. That's way back. <laughs> so way back before the before Muir Creek, you 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 have a, a stretch on the highway, which actually contributes to the pain and dynamite because you're running down a, a steep downhill road. And you're just pounding your legs to oblivion and then you turn them back on and go up again. So, um, yeah, we kind of covered that. But now, uh, you know, along the course, now you enter steep ravine. This is the part that I think strikes fear in a lot, uh, the hearts of a lot of people that run the Dipsy who've done it before. Because steep ravine is like a winding staircase um, with mud and roots. And no two stairs in steep ravine are, are the same it distance better apart. this year. There's been work done. Yeah, there's, you know, and, and it's been worse in other years, too. And so it, Steep Ravine is what it is. Um, you never know what you're going to get, and you never know who's going to get stuck in front of you in Steep Ravine. But I also say that this is one of the parts of the course where you 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 make or break your day. Um, because if you're a good descender, you're just going to take huge risk in here, and you're going to get ahead of a lot of people. And if you can maintain that lead through the end of the race which was easier when the course was a little different, I would, I would, you know, maintain, then you're setting yourself up for a really good finish. Um, if you're a tentative downhill runner, or you maybe have been kind of, uh, scared earlier in the race, you're going to take steep ravine really slow and you're going to lose a lot of places. Um, it's my favorite part of the course. I absolutely love steep ravine. I love the descent. Um, and you, you, you hope you don't get stuck behind people that you can't get around easily. Because it's really treacherous to try to pass. But um, when you're done with Steep Ravine, you'll hit the, uh, a little footbridge um, at the bottom. And then you've got a short uphill known as Insult Hill. And then uh, now the course will take you over what are known as the moors. So that's the... Insult is 100 feet. What, yeah, it's, yeah, it feels like about 400 it's a, feet. It's 100 feet up. Um, which is over the short... Let's see, we start at... 5.6 and that ends at so over uh roughly a a fifth of a mile you climb 100 feet oh this... the, that is the length of insult hey guys yeah do you run so right after you get off of insult Everybody do you run has... on the bro... do you run on the road at all no they don't let you, you go back to. on the road that's so that's that was now. that was a time saver. I was, John and I is, talked about that a little bit off. That line. is, yeah. Go ahead, John. T take it because I'm I'm right there with you. That so I I was talking to another local runner, Greg Nako, who's run this 
countless yeah. times. Greg's for a great decades. runner. Also, quad. I, he's finished the quad probably 25 to 30 times. And he's done the uh, Western States 10 times. Yep. Yep. <laughs> 10 time finisher. Great runner. And so, yeah, it was like they're not letting people take the road in the, which is the panoramic highway that brings you from top of Mount Tam down to Stinson Beach and then zigzag back on these little, effectively like little deer trails that go mm -hmm. back and forth between the road and yeah. the Kiernan's Crossing, the foliage. Yep. And it is, I can see why, because you have to block part of the road as people are coming over. Um, but yet that takes off. Like my looking at dipsies from years past today or this this year's race, I had a uh, 7.1 miles on my watch. I think that's about what people are getting. I would get 6.8 with uh, mm. so that road is adding or, or shaving off a quarter mile from the whole course basically, and so that's a that's a big deal. Even if yeah. you're running six minute pace around a track a quarter mile you are going that's a minute and a half yeah yeah mm -hmm. when you're running this highway knowing you're passing people and it's all downhill and you are pretty good at navigating and the, there was a uh, couple of them when i did it there was a couple of them and so you okay. had to know exactly where to go exactly but if you know exactly you... <laughs> where to go you can fly through those i loved those stints and shortcuts the doors yep. As they're called, door number one, yep. door number two, door number yep. three, and I've, I've heard and I've searched for different ones, and I think I know where I've heard of door number four. Um, and so there are there are ways to make the course a far straighter shot. Coming now, down. now, devil's advocate on that 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 cut that shortcut was treacherous. I mean, oh, it was yeah. there, there was no guarantee that you were going to stay on your feet. Uh, when you could take that. So I see also why maybe they, they were, you know, maybe they were experiencing that more people were getting hurt or injured in there. But now you've got to go over what are known as the moors, which is a, a running trail. It's 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 well maintained. It's wide. You can pass people. It's gradual. But man, it feels long. I, I'm you have more hill to go up too. Yeah, you, you got more hill, a little right. bump of a hill in there. So I think it adds three minutes to my time. I, I maybe people are like, dude, you, you don't know what you're talking about. But I, I you know, the last I think time it adds ninety seconds to my time is how I'm gonna okay. put it. Well the last time I ran the race when you didn't have that, I think I ran a one oh three and every every time since I've run a one oh seven. So um it just that's the only difference. I mean, you know, other than age. But I have For three me it's the difference in breaking an hour. And uh, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't for sure, for sure. But but it's it's um so you know we we can't cry over it. everyone has to run it so but but yeah. it is it it's changed the nature of the course, um, it's changed the nature of the finish, and it yeah. suits different people better. So um, I think that along with the change in the handicaps, is what everybody that got accustomed to the way the race was being run five years ago pre-COVID is now like scratching their head and saying like how do I how do I master this thing again. Because I know that a lot of the guys that I've run with that have had great dipsy races, Tim Wallen's one of them. But like, you kind of go in cycles. Like as you age up and things like that, sometimes the handicaps favor you, sometimes they don't. Sometimes you're in shape, sometimes you're not. And you're, it's always this puzzle you're trying to solve as long as you're not moving backwards. And I suppose at some point time catches up with everybody, and you just can't put in the work, and and you start to slow down. 
But there's so many examples of guys who have not done that. Brad Bryan, for example, who just consistently runs the Dipsy well. Every year, he's just great. And it's like they figure it out. You know, they know how to run the race. So um, regardless of what the course or the handicap is like, even if they struggle, like when there's a change, they eventually figure it out again. Yeah. That, I so how many, yeah, how many gypsies have you guys ran? Uh, let's count them up. I think I've gotten most of them since like 2005 or six. So I'm probably 15 or so or 16 in. I've missed a couple of years. Number 12 for me. Well, yeah, yeah. I talked to David Leipzig. He's at 31, I think. David had a good run this year. I saw him cross the finish line. He's always consistent. He, you know, he puts in the work. He's a good runner. Yeah. So let me share, let me share with you what I, what I found. If you got, do we have time to cover it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I ran the stats for this year. So what I did is I looked at the top hundred, uh, only, and I, all I did was I, I did like a, you know, hash mark thing. And I, and I said, okay, men under 20, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies. Then I did the same thing for females. So top hundred runners, 77 of the runners in the top 100 were men, 23 were women. Okay. Okay. 20 of the top 100 runners were men in their 30s. Okay. 13 were men in their 40s, 12 were men in their 50s, 10 were men in their 60s, 12 were men in their 20s. Okay. And nine under 20. For females, seven were in their 30s. Six were in their 20s, and then there was just a smattering for all the others. So that's 2023. In 2018, almost identical, 76 men in the top 100, 23 women, or whatever, I did the math wrong, or, you know, that is 99 or whatever, that is 76 and 23, but you get the idea. Mm. 16 of the men were 30 years old. 17 of the men were 40 years old. 17 of the men were 50 years old. Then 11 men were 60. So in 2023, it was from 30 to 60. It was 20, 13, 12, 10. In 2018, it was third. It was um, 16, 17, 17, 11. So the bell is more in 40 and 50 than it is in 30. Okay. Now go back to 2013. Same thing all over. 85 men in the top 100, 15 women, mm. 29 men in the 50 category in the top 100. 30% of the top 100 were men in their 50s, 17 oh were 40, 11 were 60, 9, 10, only 10 were in their 30s. So from the 2013 to 20. 23 you've doubled the men in their 30s who have finished in the top 100 and is that because of the head start changes and you've you've cut by two-thirds you've cut the men in the 50s in the top 100 in the decade okay Hmm. so all of the guys like me because i'm right in that right like i'm right in the crosshairs when i was in my you know 40s like the curve was right ahead of me. Like, hey, dude, you keep running well. You're gonna get a black shirt. Now it's going the other direction. <laughs> like now you gotta be you, Rob. We're gonna find a way to make it harder for you. So yeah, it's really funny how this is has worked out because um, 
it was definitely and that and you know I do I do remember reading that, but I just didn't know they were looking back that far. Now again, not scientific. I didn't look at 14, 15, 16. I didn't look at you know like I don't even know the makeup of the race to be honest, right? So I don't know how many, but I think just that that sample is kind of tells you what what I think Jonathan would tell you and what I would tell you is like shoot, there's a lot of really young guys blowing through here really quick in the race. We're never catching them again, you know? So it's like, that's kind of what I've felt over the last few years. But it's, that's what show that's what's shown in my, in, in the, in the stats too. Well, I, I think there's a, as far as gender and age, I think the number of people in the open, in the runners is like, there's 30 for each group. Right. Oh, really? I, I think I, okay. I could be wrong. No, I, they, I might do that. Sizes. No, 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 no. The Y, my group, mm-hmm. um, that is the largest. There's like a hundred and almost 120. Oh, really? OK. OK. So it's not group. even. Why wouldn't it they is make... not even at all? It is not so they even get. At all. But but. Oh, OK. Maybe they. Because they're also taking into account That's time tough. discrepancies, too. Like, mm. like, what are yeah. the differences in time? So, yeah, the Head Start it, group, the Y group. It seems like an impossible equation to solve. 17 like, and 33 to 41. So I'm still going to be in the Y group next year. Um, that yeah, I'm still going to be in. I'm going to be in you next year. So I, I don't, I don't change anything. Plus, my birthday is on July 1st. So I like, I have the worst possible birthday for running the Dipsy because but, I, I, I hold on to my old age all the way until the very end and then i don't get another minute like you know what i mean so if my birthday here's was your, june first i'd be running younger every time here's your change in the scratch group though because when i was in the scratch group i was i was in the scratch group for a while and yeah. the scratch group when i was in it was 19 to 30. And yeah I now it's only 20 to 25. I, turned, I didn't get a minute until i turned 31. yeah and so scratch only 2025. So you got the 18 and 19 year olds and 26 to 32 year olds are getting one minute. And so that's crazy. That's yeah. They don't deserve a minute. Yes. And then, um, I'd make an argument that you're running into your prime until you're in, in your early forties. But I mean, you know, it, it makes sense because you had men in their fifties overrepresented um, no, I get again, that. I that's, don't know yeah. relative to all the people running the race, because again, you got to look at what is the total. Like, you know, exactly. Um, but you you have this is a, a head start set, and these are all based on Marin statistics and people who choose to come to Marin to come run the race. Right. Yeah. And Marin is you don't you you can't look at demographics in Marin as being representative of anything <laughs> statewide or nationally. I, I like to joke is Marin's you, you statistically get fitter as you get older. Um mm-hmm. yeah. the you get faster in Mar- sixty when, is your but, prime. But not even it not even like just the running world, people in Marin who are you know, 40s, 50s, 60s are, I think the last stats I saw, and I was looking at this actually earlier in my days of teaching high school, um, is are statistically healthier than people in their 20s and 30s. In yeah, that more control of their life. Which, well, it, it, it makes sense um, for when you look at just the socioeconomics of Marin. Yep. But so, so, so you're trying to make a, 
head start table and all these handicaps for Marin County's demographics. <laughs> that's that's a, it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting statistics problem. Well, I, I, I think I, there should be a handicap for um, certain uh, income and privilege, uh, which would <laughs> which would never fly at this race. When but you're looking at the bike. If your if your you... net worth was above a certain level, uh, two more minutes. <laughs> Funny. I mean, that's kind of like you know, the the road. Oh, not even road bike, but just the, the cycling world. If you got a really nice bike, it's a lot easier to ride certain things. Um, and so, yeah. The, well, it's, it's you know, you, 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 look at, you look at the fact now that there are more people coming into the race so, uh, from outside, too. So, uh, you know, I think, I think the, ultra, the ultra world has completely invaded the race. And I would not be surprised if in 10 years there are people that are taking this thing and making it scientific and trying to figure out, like, you know, how to, how to run it best. It's, you have to assume the evolution, it, it has some prestige, right? I mean, it's not a, it's not a purse race. You don't win money and stuff like that. But, you know, I think the ultra community is kind of, kind of nutty and they, they, they like, they like stuff like this. So, you know, I think there's a lot of ultra runners that are going to spill over to shorter stuff like this and clean up at it. Well, it's funny the, mentioning the ultra world because that's so changed in the last, 10 years, 15 years, um, collegiate runners would finish their career and think, okay, it's time to start running half marathons and marathons. And then when I can't run fast anymore, I'm going to go run and I'm going right. to go start running the ultra world. And so when I started running ultras in my twenties, there was nobody else in their twenties running them. Yeah. And it yeah. was, it was like more like the triathlon world, but even older, it was people more in their late thirties, forties, fifties. And yeah. then collegiate runners are finding, oh, I can run a 50 mile at the same pace I'm running a marathon. And it's. And recovering half the trail. Time. Yeah, especially if it's trail and not road. And it's just more interesting. And then there's a lot of beer at these races. And it's just like it's more of a trail party. And it's it's a different kind of adventure. And so ultra running has become more of this, not a, okay, my body can't do fast anymore. I'm just going to run long to, oh, no, I'm going to make a, yeah. my running career out of ultra and trail running. And yeah. that's definitely spilling over into the Dipsy. Yeah, which I is, so. I don't think that's, uh, that's just a thing. It's not good or bad. Oh, I agree. I yeah, no, I mean, I welcome it. Or but... like just a different dimension to the running world. So I guess cycling saw it too with uh, the advent of mountain biking. And now everybody's got a gravel bike. So. Right. So I have a question on the the Head Start. What do you guys think of a recent rule that was added? Uh, and I know there's a lot of debate or discussion on this one. If you win the race, the next year you get an extra minute. No, you lose a minute. Or you lose you lose yeah, a minute. And yeah, the, and then yeah. it's not just and and it, it it definitely looks like they were pointing at a particular person, Brian Pilcher. <laughs> because because they said it's not just for one year it's for the last three years yeah so so like if you are winning and doing really well uh yeah it's it, it just seems very specific on one person well it's you know still I, in the, oh, 
Yeah, yeah I, I like the idea, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I, I think that there's, um, with all with all of this stuff, there's nothing to get. The, first off, this is an amateur race, not a professional race. Nothing's riding on it. Your career is not riding on it. It's a commu- It's more of a community event when you really get down to it. And it is limited, right? There's a limited amount of spots in the race. There's a limited amount of coveted black shirts. There's a limited amount of... And and so when a runner can win it year after year after year after year, I think it detracts a little bit from the spirit of the race, mm. which is to kind of level the playing field so that everyone has a fair shot at winning. Um, and you're always going to have outliers. I mean, there was that guy, Sal Vasquez, before the time you know I ever started running the race, but I think he ran it, he won it seven years in a row. Mm-hmm. So you can only imagine how many great Marin runners there were, like that were trying to beat him every year. And I kind of think like, yeah, seven, seven victories is cool and all, but I mean, is it any different from five victories? Is it any different than three victories? Well said, that's a, that's a really good, you know, uh, and and it's a good attitude to have for a race. And it's not the Tour de France. I mean, I get it. I get it. If you've got a team and you've got like sponsors and you got everything else riding on it and, and it's the cream of the crop, I get that. But that's not, in my opinion, what the Dipsy is. And, and to be honest and to be fair, a guy like Brian Pilcher is a is a once in a lifetime runner. I mean, really, he's an anomaly. He's a very very gifted runner. I mean, and he's won tons of tons of races, and he deserves he has American records. Yeah, yeah, he has American records. He deserves all of that. But if Brian Pilcher sits out a year and someone else wins the trophy, does that hurt anybody? No. I mean, I think it helps. I think it helps the spirit of the event, especially if that winner is Hans Schmidt. Or, or, you know, or, or someone else who is equally, you know, um, equally contending. Did, did for Hans, Hans did race. win, didn't he? Hans won, he won it one year. In 2012. Yeah. Um, wow. So on that, yeah, like the, the whole point of the handicaps is let's make it, let's give everybody a chance. Yeah, it, like, right. The idea is like right. everybody going into the race is like, I don't know what's going to happen this year. Um, anything can happen. But the whole point of the handicaps is however flawed it might be is trying to level the playing field as much as possible in a sport where when you put everybody on a track, you don't actually have a level playing field yet. You have a very clear definition of who came in first because it's a clock. It's not like watching somebody do a gymnastics floor routine. And then you got judges disagreeing. It's like that person crossed the finish line first and on a track. Yeah. You have people like it, there's training, sure, but there's also genetics that happen there. And so, well, let, let's, let's 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 play let's, let's play devil's advocate with this piece. Let's say an elite runner who had no other business, like not part of the Marin community, not part of the Dipsy community, whatever, just came, he flew in every yeah, like, year, like a sub one hour half. Yeah, half he flew in every year <laughs> to win the race and then went back home. Would that would that exemplify? Did he deserve to win? If he ran the best, yes, he deserved to win that. But, but he could, but it would it would almost not be possible would that unless happen? he was in the event. He'd have to get in the well. A, a they've truly let exceptional people in, they've let people in invitational yeah. without having prior run runner yeah, section. Yeah. So you get I mean, you get some elite runners in the invitational, and there's like high hopes for those people, and then they don't they 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 don't make first. Right, that can happen so, too. That that happens. That happens. A lot. So if we I have a, a so, sub 30 10k guy show up, and I don't know what Patty is. Is he? Is he? He's probably like 30, 31. I mean, he's fast. He he's he. I mean, if he trained for a 10k uh, on a track, 
Yeah, I bet he but track is not 30. the Dipsy either. So, exactly. So take a, a, a sub-30 10K guy, uh, basically an Olympian, drop him into the Dipsy. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen any shirt, names. But I don't think they'll win. Yeah. Because Killian. you got to trade him in the hills. Take, take Killian Jornet and throw him into the Dipsy. He would, wouldn't he crush it? Because he's like... Probably. Yeah, probably. Killian is like the one the seven billion kind of people. He he literally is the one one in the seven billion. But would that guy? But would that would that guy be hurt if he next year had a penalty of a minute? No. I mean, no. Actually, I I don't. Actually, going back to Killian, I don't know who would be the best type of dipsy runner. But how fast is he for shorter distances? (laughs) You put him on like a mountain five k course. How does he? I don't know how he compares. I know he can go without sleep. And he can go crazy high altitudes and terrain. He doesn't really redline though. He's he's like right in the zone like all the time. I, I think the I think the Dipsy should extend an invitation to him. I'd be really curious. I'd love to see how he like, do I, again. I'm not. I'm I would, not I, would throw, I would put money in that to see that. that it's kind of like asking. Okay, so if Usain Bolt ran a mile, how fast would he run? And I read an article hey. about that years ago, and his publicist's response was, "Usain Bolt's never run a mile." <laughs> on that note, why didn't the guy who won last year race this year? Does anyone know? Uh, oh, is that uh, the guy from Alaska? Eddie Owens? No, 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 uh, no. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, things happen. Who, who? Yeah. yeah so I mean, you know, it's like the, the, maybe, maybe, maybe it was the idea that, that there would be another minute at it. I don't know, or maybe it was like, hey, I'm not in town. I can't do it. But whatever the point is, it's like, yeah, you know, there, there are people who show up year after year who do great year after year. And they contend year after year, but I think if you win, um, I think I think that that's that's fair. I like I like the idea. I love the idea that an, that a, that a senior runner, that a really young kid, could win the race. Mm-hmm. I think that's super cool. I mean, I think one of the best finishes ever, and people will talk about it for the history of the race, is when Melody and that little girl ran. And I don't know if Melody threw the race for her. I really don't, because Melody's so cool and she's such a great runner and a great person. She might have done that. But then again, I don't know. You know, she's a competitor too, so maybe maybe that girl just beat her out and deserved to win it, and that would that would be great too. So, but either way, can you imagine being down in Stinson Beach and seeing a young girl and Melody fighting for the win? I mean, is there anything cooler in a race than that? Not to me. That is cool. That is cool. Well, this has been fun, guys. Uh, oh, did, we didn't really talk too much about your own races we just talked about the yeah. race itself but uh that's so always a love letter to the dipsy because it's uh <laughs> you, you come back every single year or i do come back every single year for it because it's a. Uh, I like to stress out about something it's, yeah it's well put. it's important well put. and i heard the phrase uh last week uh stressful leads to successful like nothing if everything is just easy, well, you're probably not. You got you got to put in the work to have a decent day, even if it's not the day you envisioned. But I but I find the Dipsy to me, uh, you know, and I can sum up my race with just explaining kind of my attitude about life is that, you know, like it gets harder every year. There's no doubt about it. I've been doing it for a bunch of years. I'm in my early 50s now, and so and and I've had great Dipsy races. I've finished in the top 50, and and I know what that feels like and how exhilarating that is. And I've watched over the last few years where it's kind of moved backwards now. And, and yet, so I'm at this place where I'm like, do I want to continue to work this hard 
to have a result that I consider so-so, right? But what's the alternative? Like the alternative is I stop working hard and not have a goal yeah. of trying to do better at the mm-hmm. dips. I'm not going to do that. And I see like so many people I've run with in the club and so many people I've run with out on Marin trails and in different races who are still out there, like giving it their freaking all. I, 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 right at the end, I ran into like coming down the moors. I ran into Kurt Ryan. Kurt Ryan is like, you know, he's run a ton of great dipsy races and he's still out there at whatever age he is, 60, 65. He's still out there giving it. And that's mm. the coolest thing. And it's like, no, that's what I want to do. Right. I, I, I don't care if it gets harder every year. I'm going to put in the work every year. I'm going to hope for the best result every year. I'm not going to get them every year. But man, that's that's what I love about that race more than anything. Is that like so many great runners putting it out there? A, a, a lot of people putting it, putting everything into it. I told yeah. somebody, yeah. I think it was David David uh, Leipzig. I was like, yeah. So you train for like really hard for three or four months. You work on your sleep, your diet, you work on everything, uh, and then Give you get the about four hundred yep. place. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes that's the breaks, right? That's my oh, point. Yep. It's, it's like, you know, sometimes like, you know, John, you you were probably like me. You're like, hey, I'm going to crack top 100 this year. And my, my you know, my training runs were going well and whatever. Wasn't in the cards. You know, it just didn't happen. I go back and forth because I've been, usually I'm in the top 100. This is one of the years I wasn't. But actually, this was not my worst place. I was like 132. Um I don't think this is my slowest dipsy because I would looked at my, we were talking about not being able to do the stints and shortcuts. Actually, if I look at it, taking all the shortcuts, uh, my slowest time was probably 2012. And that was actually my, my, my slowest place. Um, when it comes down to it, like the, the conditions this year, people are like, this is perfect runner conditions. Like it was overcast. It was a little foggy. It was not hot. You weren't going to overheat. The trail wasn't too sloppy, uh, but it wasn't like super dusty. Yeah, it was perfect runner conditions. I always, I look at my places and I do better when it's like hotter and dusty. Oh, I love it when it's hot. I I can deal with it. Bring the heat. But uh, the other part about it is I looked at it as I started the year, um, the calendar year off uh, injured. I just rolled out on a rock on a trail um, back in December so bad that i thought i broke my ankle and i got an x-ray on christmas eve that's back when everybody had the flu uh but there was nobody getting x-rays we're like hey you can come in right now there's no wait um, <laughs> if i had the flu then i'd probably still be waiting for uh you know at the hospital um but it so i i, I started the year needing to basically rebuild my running stride because it was precipitated from a hamstring pull after a bunch of cross-country races after the quad dipsy last December. So yeah, I've done 50K and 100K this year, but not anything speed and technical. So I really only threw in like the high intensity training in the last two months. So on a trail like the dipsy, when we're talking about, if we just took like a super fast track or road 10K runner and said, here you go, here's a dipsy bib and invitational. I've I'd be really curious to see how that person would do because there's so much specificity in terms of the dipsy and what you're training for. You're training to redline, but on every part of that terrain is different. You have to know the individual like turns and where to pass people and 
how to push on the stairs and then how hard to push on a downhill. Every part of that course is unique. And so, well, your point, yeah, your, your point, I, I, I was, you can't in, just take anybody and let them run it or say, go ahead and run it and expect they'll be successful. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I, I followed down right from the cut into the swoop. I was behind a kid. I say a kid, he was probably half my age. He's probably 25, 26, something like that. Long legs, like you could tell he was a track runner, probably a 10K runner, had had race shorts on, you know, whatever. Yeah. He had and, and I he I ended up on Insult Hill with him. So this yeah. is a guy that this is a guy that could clean my clock in a 10K. I mean, he there there was just the look of him. You know, this guy could probably run near a 30 minute 10K, right? He could. I, I stayed with him throughout Steep Ravine. He was not. A, he was not a. You know. Uh, he was a risk averse descender. And even when he got to the bottom, he was kind of like, "Hey, I don't know where my legs are anymore." Like, you know. So, but if I, I told him at the finish, I talked to him. He's a really nice guy. And I and I said, "You're gonna figure this out because you got the speed, and you're gonna learn how to do that descent. And if you stick with it, you're gonna end up in the top 30. You know, 35 places because it just the raw talent was there. You know." but just didn't know how to run, run downhill like that. So, you know, you say risk averse descender, like that's one of those things is like, you can push hard on the road or in a marathon, half marathon track race. And what's going to happen, any injury that happens in that event to you is going to be something that is most likely due to how you've been training. Right. Because it's not like the course is going to be super technical. Right, right, You're going right, to. Right. So so what's going to happen there is that's those are always like any injury that happens in like a track meet, um, unless it's like, you know, a crash yeah. and people are or a marathon like those were actually long ticking time bombs that were waiting to happen. Right. The Dipsy has more of an element like cycling, like. Yeah, crash. There are there are real risks in how you take a downhill. You can train to do aspects of it, but there is a risk that just some little thing's gonna land the wrong way. Someone's gonna and put that, their foot where you intended to land. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. that also makes it exciting too, because there's there's some risks there. Um and some of those risks you can actually do some training for if you think about like where you're running and what you're running on, do some technical uphill, do some technical downhill and train for it. And so that's, and I look at it, it's like, you know, talking about people who are like investing all this time and stuff in it for whatever place you're getting. And it's like, what's bad about something that's making you make good decisions just to make you a, you know, a fitter person and stuff like that. So it's like, that's, what's cool about it is that it actually, it puts some crazy incentive for whatever, you know, uh, competitive wiring that everybody who's running that race has to do some training and prep for it. And yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. It's not like who's going to cross that finish line first or where you're going to finish is it is hard to predict. Yep. And yep. that's, that's it every makes year. it exciting. And so it's uh yeah, it's what makes, I just love how it actually just forces everybody to give it their all. And there are so many things that people do where they actually, they don't give it their all. They're, they're, they're sandbagging in some way 
hedging their bets and no no just going up the grind to cardiac everybody's giving it their all <laughs> yeah fun good talk guys i'm gonna i think i'm gonna end the end the podcast uh and uh thank uh or say good job to justin shern the 14 year old who was uh 35th Nice. The, nice the, the, the last, the last per, black shirt. Good job, Justin. And uh, another, another one for the books. I should have been there at the finish at least. Uh, I will be there at the finish, at least, uh, by spectator or competitor next year. So go, go back out onto insult and with a, with a counter. That's where we need you. <laughs> 22, 24. Yeah, right. 22, 22, 22. I like it. 34, 34, 34. Good stuff, guys. Cool. All right. Thanks. Super All fun. Right. Thanks, Jonathan. Right, guys. Good night. Sure. Thanks, everybody. Bye.